Hey, buddy, can you hear me? Oh, my gosh, yes. We did it. <laughs> were you on okay, Were sorry, you on I'm, mute? Oh, I. you know what? I put you on speakerphone. That's awesome. My fault. Okay, got you. I'm going to turn it off speakerphone. <laughs> okay, good. You shouted in my ear. I thought it was your fault. How are you? I am. It's hard to be this handsome, but I'm. I'm carrying my cross today. You know. You are. You are. I, I watch you on Facebook. I, I saw. You know. I saw the Amish guy on. Uh, and I thought that was you at first. I yeah, thought, wow, no, I definitely that's pretty look cool. Amish. I mean, you are. Uh, yeah, you're. You're living quite a life up there in New York. I know it's the South Dakota way. I'm living. I'm living it. You are in New York, in upstate New York. So. <laughs> Um, I, I saw you with a chainsaw, or I saw the the effects yep. of you with a chainsaw. Um, that's impressive. <laughs> well, I the wood that you saw, I did not cut that wood. Um, that's oh, the, that's the that's the surplus wood that we get as um, to make sure that we have enough. But we have a whole woodshed in the back that is pretty much from from our. I mean, the whole thing's full to to the rim. So. To the brim, we got so we've done our fair share of cutting, splitting, and stacking. That's for sure. But we always want to have the surplus because Syracuse has the most snow compared to any other. Well, any any other city, I think, in the United States, Buffalo and Syracuse always fight for that. Like, over yeah, I, I, I believe that. I I grew up in New Hampshire, um, so yeah. we had a lot of snow. But yeah, Buffalo, Syracuse, so, yeah. So how many cords of wood do you get? Well, that was just 10. So, honestly, um whoa. We have probably at least that in the um woodshed. Um, you know, and it'll, it'll it, we're not done yet, too. We'll probably be cutting and stacking some more. We had a, a lot of um trees that fell through some windstorms the last uh, mm. few months and then we had loggers that were in doing work. So, as we've been clearing trails and getting things ready, we we have our fair share of word, uh, work to do still. But, you know, it's kind of cool. It's a little bit cathartic for me, oddly enough. So, like, stacking wood and, um, like, the fireplace will literally start um, and not stop until about May. Like, so once we get going in probably October, late October, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll have that tw- almost 24-7 going. So Wow. It's because it's the primary source for us for heat. Yeah. Well, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, where my wife grew up in Spearfish, they they used wood stove for uh, cooking until my wife was like 14, 15. And oh, wow. They, uh, yeah, so they – Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I know the lifestyle. That That's pretty awesome. Uh, we've gotten right into this. I am recording this, so you're good, all – Good, 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 good. Uh, yeah, so – this is fascinating for everyone to listen to. <laughs> I was just talk about uh, the cords of wood, and I'm sure it's relevant for for some people out there. Um, so why, why don't we backtrack and um, tell us? I know who you are, um, but maybe some, maybe there's one person out there who doesn't know um, the famous Chris Padgett. So who yeah, are you? Yeah, who yeah, is yeah. Chris Padgett? So I, my name is obviously Chris Paget, and I travel around the world doing keynotes and uh, work for, um, you know, with Catholic schools and parishes and dioceses. 
uh, men's events, marriage events, you name it. That's kind of what I do for a living. I write a lot of books, and um, in days gone by, I did a lot of music. I was in a band for a long time and um, did a lot of ministry and travel with that. And uh, so I think it's interesting to me because my heart is, for ministry, like who is Chris Paget? Ultimately, I'm a husband and a father and a, a lay evangelist. I mean, that's as simple as it gets. But Amen. Um, I'm just trying to, you know, live that vocation of holiness, the universal call that we all got. And boy, it's a lot harder than you'd think. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and you've been married how many years? Uh, it's 27 plus years. We're we still like each other. We're kind of um, that's great. Pretty lucky. Uh, we met our senior year of high school, and we fell in love, and then we fell in love. <laughs> <laughs> and we ended up uh, getting married. Uh, we were 21 when we got married, and we've been just living the dream. Um, we have nine kids, five girls, and four boys, and um, we live in this weird nine-sided house in central New York. So. It's kind of it's kind of been a pretty cool journey so far. Yeah, it was awesome. So when did you get started with youth ministry? Well, that's interesting because I think that um, one of the most influential – I mean, in my whole life, my mom was taking my sister and I to church. So I constantly was, was in youth groups and going to revivals and church experiences, you know, in the Protestant arena. So uh, the idea of ministry was was probably always kind of modeled for me and that that could be something I would be interested in. My mother, in fact, used to say when I was a little boy, she said that I would either be a uh, an evangelist, a, um, a musician, or a politician, you know, or something like that, you know, just because I had this ability to communicate and share that, um, you know, was maybe you could see the inklings of a profession there. So mm-hmm. for me, when I got to college, I had a pretty big experience where the Lord grabbed me and um, I gave like just everything to him. And I felt, I think at that moment that ministry was going to be, was going to be my life. And part of the, the thing behind that was I I had done enough things that were stupid and enough things to regret that I realized that I I could spend the rest of my life trying to make up for that, and that would be a good thing. And so in some ways, you know, trying to counter all those years of selfishness um, by being a little bit more selfless has been a beautiful journey. But it's hard to, you know, explain why a person does ministry or or when that starts because – because if you look, you can see God's hand in it all. You know, if you're if you're not yeah. aware of it, then you know it doesn't seem like it makes sense. But but when I look back on my life, you know, it was there the whole time that that this was going to be me. Yeah, um, yeah, the call to evangelize—that's beautiful. Your mother instilled that in you uh, from a young age. Uh, and you said this was in the Protestant arena. Uh, when did you make your journey into the Catholic Church? We became Catholic, my wife and I, Easter of 1999. We had three kids at that time. And I remember, because um, we were traveling, my my, uh, my bandmates and I, all over the country, and we kept running into all of these Catholics, and the more that we would talk about the faith, the more I began to be interested in it. I had a friend of mine that was reading some books by Thomas Merton, and and uh, I was reading some stuff by Henry Nouwen, and 
um, we just were talking a lot about like some of these religious ideas coming out of these Catholic thinkers, G.K. Chesterton, and and all of a sudden, I think what what occurred to me was just how rich and deep that those insights were, and I was hungry for it. And uh, we started to ask a lot more serious questions. What were the doctrinal differences? And um, I would come home from these trips, and my wife and I would go out to eat, or we'd sit down, and I had this list of all of my problems with the Catholic Church, and we would just kind of go through it together and talk about it. And (laughs) it's too long of a story, but I had a friend of mine that was working for St. Joseph Communications at the time, and I I always joke and say that we stole about $1,000 worth of tapes. And so as I traveled around, I would listen to all of these, like, Peter Kreeft and Scott Hahn and Steve Ray um, interviews and talks. And and so in a way, by – what I always like to say is that I was really introduced to um, Catholicism in a pretty, like, abrupt doctrinal way from Carl Keating's book, Catholicism and Fundamentalism. But I was kind of wooed and started to fall in love with Catholicism because of Henry Nouwen. Uh, But, you know, in some ways I was kind of catechized by those tapes, uh, Scott Hahn and and the like, because – of all the amount of hours I would listen to it. So in Easter in 1999, we became Catholic, much to the complete horror of some people in my family and to people in ministry. And But I just could not stop. I mean, I just could not mm. stop that train because I was so convinced that this was where I needed to be. And, um, boy, it's been an amazing journey. I mean, unbelievable. I can't even imagine uh, where I would be without being Catholic, it it would just be a terrifying reality. Yeah, and thank God for those tapes. I remember that Scott Hahn yeah. tape. Yeah, I mean, my my truck still has a tape deck, so I can listen to those tapes. But uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of tapes, and uh, they did they did wonders for us. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's great. Um, so. You have spoken, you do marriage and family life and, and all, and uh, youth ministry, you, you speak and you write books. Um, you, so you have spoken at a lot of youth rallies. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, and that's, that's why we're talking, because you're coming here October 7th. Awesome. Um, what, how many rallies do you think you've spoken at? Have you, have you lost count? Uh, there's no way I could even I can't even imagine. I mean, literally, this has been my full time job since you know, like around 1996, wow. traveling and doing and doing ministry. So I mean, we're talking I don't know 22 to 25 years of of just sharing the faith. So I love youth events because it's like I get to give myself permission to still be a kid and share mm-hmm. my stories. And what I really love, um, and oddly enough, some people might know this, many won't, but I grew up in um, Chamberlain, South Dakota. And before that, I lived in Valley East Side. East Side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We would travel an hour to go to the mall in Mitchell. I mean, it was a big day. And Did you make it to the Corn Palace? Oh, the ultimate letdown. I mean, there could not be a more, like, disappointing, like, structure and I, I know my wife and I were. Drug, oh yeah, oh, 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 hey, that's in our diocese. We can we can uh, we can pick on Corn Palace all you want, but not Wall Drugs. So, anyways, <laughs> I was I was driving. Can we just say something? Listen, if they yeah. spent 
if they just spent a quarter, a fraction of the money that they put in billboards advertising wall drug on something in that town to do besides buying fool's gold, then um, that place would be the epicenter. It would be one of the greatest cities in the entire world. I got a chocolate soda there in, I think, 1998, <laughs> and I was so disappointed. And I've not been back. I mean, I go to Wall, but I don't go to Wall. I don't go to the uh, all the sites. But the, back to the Corn Palace, I remember yeah. my wife and I were driving uh, because she's from the Diocese of Rapids. So we were driving out here from Steubenville, um, and I saw the Corn Palace, and I, I thought, wow, that's awesome. And I went inside, and they were playing the basketball game. And and I was a little disappointed. I thought there was going to be yeah. corn inside, uh, <laughs> but it's – so yeah, it is a little. Yeah, but listen, let's just be honest. I got there as a kid, and I kept thinking, <clears throat> "Where's the ride? Like, like this is supposed to, like the corn." You wanted house. rides? Yeah, like Disney. Like, where's the roller coaster? Where's some stuffed yeah. animal that's walking around, you know, greeting me? And all I'm looking at is some sort of like picture made with corn. Like, I just yeah. don't, to this day, yeah. I mean, is it artistic and beautiful? Of course, but. I'm a grown man now, and I can appreciate that, that that unique artistic expression. But when you're a kid and you have to travel all that way, there should be some candy at the end of it. But no, corn no candy. candy. There's just you don't even get caramel corn or yeah. or or that little orange corn candy for Halloween. You don't even get that. You stare at a wall. You go inside, and you're like, I'm disappointed, and then you go anyway. I don't even yeah. want to talk about it. Well, I'll tell you what, the, the kids from Wall and Chamberlain, I, I think we lost them. I, I don't think they'll be coming now. Um, but um, <laughs> maybe maybe we can make that up. Okay, so. Uh, but okay, listen, here. listen, let me say this, yes, though. Go. I, I, Chamberlain, I, I, I still keep in touch with all of those, I mean, tons of those kids from Chamberlain. Like, we're all grown uh, adults with kids and grandkids and, like, there's something special about small-town America, so as much yeah. as I make fun of it and joke, the truth is, like, I can think of a million people that I don't communicate with from uh, from different schooling experiences, but somehow or another, that small-knit group of people have hmm. decided to keep staying in touch. There's, and, you know, the uh, funny thing is, as much as I travel around the world even, I always talk about with great fondness my experiences in uh, both Valley City and in Chamberlain, so uh, it's as funny as it is, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm still a South Dakota boy, you know, when it's, when it comes down to it, because wow. for me, it's going home. When I get the chance to come out there, it's like, I'm, I'm with my family. It's beautiful. awesome. Then we will have a homecoming for you. Um, bring a cowboy hat. Uh, I was going to say, am so, I going to be greeted with hunting tables as I get off the plane? <laughs> you might, you know, um, <laughs> we talk about the new evangelization when I was in Boston, you know, the new evangelization for me was keeping up with the sports news and be able to talk about the Patriots and the Flake Gate and the Celtics and everything. Yeah. When I came out here, um, it was, um, you know, the first question I was asked by Bishop Bruce is, do you hunt? <laughs> and, and, and uh, as a as a pacifist New Englander, I, I was I was ashamed to say I don't have a gun. So I, yeah. the New you're Evangelist, lucky that you're even allowed to stay there. I mean, I don't even know if you're <laughs> legally allowed to be in South Dakota. The New Evangelization is calling me to get a hunting <laughs> license. Um, so yeah. So okay, okay. What is have you have you had crazy experiences with youth rallies? Yes, of course, I'm sure. 
What is kind of like the some of the most insane things you've seen, or or has or have they all been tame and calm? And well, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, look, I what you always love about I love about a youth rally is that I mean, you get all those kids together, and the momentum of joy can be so beautiful. So, yeah. what's funny to me is that, um, and I've done youth rallies for probably at all. I don't know. I've just countless dioceses. And what I love is that each one has a kind of their own unique cadence. And um, so there have been some pretty remarkable moments. I remember I was in the diocese of, uh, I don't know, South Carolina somewhere, and I saw the youth board. They were practically literally like professional uh, actors and actresses, like doing almost choreographed uh, performances, and they had this huge shtick that they would do throughout the entire weekend. And wow. uh, the amount of hours and effort that they took to get that board in that position, I was like, literally, I felt like I was at a Broadway show at times. It was so well done. But then I've been at some places where you know that literally uh, they just put that thing together about a week ago, and it just is like a complete train wreck. I, I think one of my most memorable moments was I was doing an event in small town Minnesota and for a diocese. And I had done this event with them before the previous year, and they were at a school, okay? So the next year I'm coming, and I visit with my dad, and we're hanging out because he's in St. Paul, and mm-hmm. and he said he'd drive me to this event. And so well, I think it's going to be about a four-hour drive. He's like, that's okay. I'll just come and hang out. I'll bring some work to do, and it'll be great just to be with you. And I thought, awesome. So we drive all the way. It took us like, whatever, three and a half hours. We got lunch, and I finally get to this parking lot of the school that we had done our event at the, the year previous, and um, not a car is in the parking lot, like no sign of light. So I called the diocesan youth director, and I said, I'm here, but there's nobody here. And, and um, this particular person said to me, well, where are you? And I explained it, and, and they said, well, we're in a different town that's about three hours away, and we'll adjust our schedule, and if you can get here then, then you know, we'll, we'll have you be the last thing they do before they go. Like, we barely made it. I got there, I got on the stage, and I did this 45-minute talk, and all I kept thinking was, we just drove, like, seven, eight hours <laughs> all over the state of Minnesota to find this flipping place. That was maybe one of the most memorable and um, tragic uh, experiences, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you, uh, we will not get you lost out here. Um, we'll make sure. No, thank God. Okay, um You've come to Rapid City before. Uh, what was it? Maybe like five years ago. So uh, yeah, you may you may have spoken to kids that were that were I don't know twelve at the time because we have middle school and high school together. Um, and so you might be speaking to them as seniors. That's pretty awesome. I'm pretty um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. And actually, I still have great friends in that area. So uh, you know, the last time I was there, it was cool. I got to hang out with. Uh, couple of guys that that were my best friends when I was living in South Dakota they're they're in that area and um just just again it was such a beautiful experience I actually remember the building we were in too so if we're in the same place it was uh it was it was pretty beautiful so uh this is a Terrasanta retreat center uh it's the retreat center of the diocese I think that's it yeah the Holy Cross Chapel yeah yeah Yeah, so yeah you got luxurious accommodations here um (laughs) Yeah, it is good. It is. Uh, again, when I tell uh, when I tell speakers coming in for events that you'll be staying at the retreat center, I, they all give me the same response, like, "Oh no, 
I know. They, yeah. they think it's going to be from the 1960s, 1970s, really freaky out in the woods. You're alone with no telephone, no TV <laughs> or anything. But it's actually quite nice. Um, I, I I love it out here. So, okay. Um, what are you, Getting to today's youth, you since you've done this since 1996, oh, my gosh, that's, that's 22 years, right? 22 years of Something. doing this. Yeah. Um, you've seen changes, I'm sure, as we all have across the culture, uh, across the, the generations. Um, can you talk about that? What what is, what's, what are the, 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 the gifts of today's youth, and what, what are the challenges they face that we didn't face back in 1996? Well, everything is different because it's so digitalized. So that's yeah. the first thing that's very, very noticeable and different. I mean, the amount of uh, kids that have access to the world through their cell phones. I mean, that, that's unthought of, almost unheard of. And so in some ways, you know, people were obviously looking for a variety of things to do, not just to, to grow in the faith, but to also have a, a quality entertainment. And so the youth events could be, could be like that in a lot of ways. It would be something very different, very unique. They still are very different and, and unique, but, um, but it's, it's a different world now completely because you're not as constrained and limited by time and space like you were in 1996. Like mm-hmm. while you're growing up in South Dakota, there's a familiarity with what's going on in culture and um, you have access to it and can participate in it through YouTube and all that stuff. So I think that's the first thing that's really noticeably different, but at the heart of it, kids are still kids and yep. you might modify the message a little bit, but they're longing for some sort of meaning and they're longing for authenticity, authenticity and they're, and they're longing to make a difference in the matter to be uh, a part of something great. And that the good news is that that still is what we're giving. We're still giving kids the opportunity to live a life that's greater than they ever thought or imagined um, through this relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Well, I think though, in light of things that have been happening the last couple months in the church, though, Mm -hmm. my, my daughter asked the question basically based on a number of her friends, many people are asking why, why, you know, if this is happening, how long has this been happening and how do we know that anything coming out of the church Mm -hmm. is even real? And right. so I think because of the things that are happening with the scandals and the difficulties that we're seeing with the way that people have been used and hurt, um, I think that we have a greater responsibility now more than ever, especially as laypersons, to step up to the plate and say, I love being Catholic and here's why. And I, and I do love being Catholic because Jesus Christ is the one I'm following. And I never became right. Catholic because of a bishop and a priest, a cardinal, a pope. I became Catholic because Jesus Christ called me to be in a relationship with him, and he gave that authority, and it was passed on, and I can see that consistency of faith and morals. That, that's why I'm Catholic. I have the great possibility to be a saint, but I also, through freedom, have the great possibility of doing horrible and hurtful things. So I think in some ways we get the chance to speak to kids that are wondering, why does it even matter anymore? And and the beautiful truth is that it matters because giving your life to Christ enables you to be fully human, fully human, which is mm-hmm. such a beautiful opportunity. Yeah, uh, that's it's so well said. I think what, what all the, the recent news has is, is done for, for me, for, for my family, is it just gets us right back to the root of the gospel the 
okay, well, why do we believe what we believe? Just like you said, because Jesus Christ. And it gets us back to to the sacraments. It gets us back, and uh, not to following men, but to following Jesus Christ and putting trust in the church that he gave us, even though we are fallen and imperfect. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's establishing trust that uh, in building relationships with these kids. And I'm excited right. that you're, you're going to come here and, and witness about your, your relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, that's what the kids need. We need doctrine, yes, but, um, yeah, I'm excited to hear your witness and for the kids to hear your witness here. Um, yeah. What, what else? Let's see. Uh, what? Oh, yeah, you're running for president, right? You <laughs> ran for president. You said that. that. That was awesome. Your mother thought you could be a politician, and I, I loved your yeah. video. So uh, if anybody is going to listen to this podcast, please check out Chris Paget's uh, videos uh, about his election campaign. Yeah. Uh, are you All running you in 2020? Is... Well, look, if I can get a video camera here, I'll run. Let's just say that. But okay. uh, CatholicSam.org has those those election <laughs> moments. They're pretty funny. It was all meant to be some pretty good comedy. Uh, the, the weird thing, and I don't, I'm not going to get political here, but the weird thing is that my jokes um, – Somehow seem tame now compared to a lot of real life stuff. So, so I, I don't. I'm worried that people won't realize that it was all meant to be a, a funny little spoof. But I, I often thought, what would have happened if people actually wrote me in? And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you have to wonder that anymore. So I, I mean, literally, I, I would be terrified if I had a, to lead the country in anything. So we got to pray for our leaders, that's for sure. Yeah, we um, do. They're funny, though. We did those in um, for uh, at least three elections, but the last two were gold, man. They were they were pretty funny. So um, we had fun doing it. And the that's outtakes awesome. on those were the best. That's the thing that sells that thing is the outtakes. So there's kind of this outtake moment, I think, at the end of uh, – I don't know which one it was, but it was it's pretty it's pretty delish. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, I'll make sure to to review those. Maybe maybe we could show one or two during the rally. That'd be good. Um, <laughs> uh, what, okay. If lastly, all right. Uh, I know you get you have to get back to chopping wood and, and having all your, all your kids help you. <laughs> so um, if you could say one thing to the youth of the diocese of Rapid City uh, to prepare for your surreal arrival, what would it be? Well, I think I would encourage them just to come and be prepared to have a blast and laugh really hard and mm -hmm. to meet new people and to make some great friends and to be invited into seeing why the faith is so good and why it matters. Like, I, I love how a kid will come and they have to be there and there's this look of like, I'd rather be doing something else. But when they leave, they're so pumped because it was way better than they ever thought or imagined. And I just yeah. feel like what I, you know, having grown up in that area, I'm just saying this is not going to waste your time. We're going to, I, you know, I always been, I've been asking this question the last couple of years, whenever I traveled to churches, which is why would anybody want what you've got? If you look like you don't even want what you've got. <laughs> and there's so many people that, that think that the more severe you are, the more holy you are. What I want those kids to know is that when they come, they get to laugh, they get to be themselves, they get to be entirely, you know, real, and they don't have to pretend and and be something that they're not, right? That St. Francis de Sales, be who God called you to be and be that perfectly well. Be who God made you to be and be that perfectly well. 
like they get to be themselves and it should be a breath of fresh air for them. And I think that they're going to love it. Amen. I'm looking forward to it. This has been the best part of my morning. Thank you, Chris Padgett, for waking me up. Um, I'm looking (laughs) forward to seeing you. I'll pick you up at the airport. I don't know which day it is, but uh, we'll make sure you get to the right place. But uh, it's been a pleasure, Chris. All right. You guys are awesome. See you soon. God bless. See you soon. God bless. Bye-bye.